Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Thursdays wherever you may be across this great nation or this great world. Uh, we've got a lot to get into, but first, right off the top, I love you, YouTube. I'm going to keep saying it because it keeps having a reaction. Subscribe and like the Outkick channel. If you want to see more of my videos, if you want to see more of this beautiful face, uh, then I would ask all of you, please uh, go and subscribe on YouTube. Certainly, I'd like for you to follow me on Twitter, at Clay Travis. You can find me all over the place. Uh, but YouTube in particular, the audience is incredible, and we love all of you, particularly the commenters. Click like and subscribe, as my kids tell me I should be saying more and more. Um, so we got some fun stories today. There's almost nothing going on in the world of sports, all right? So for people out there like, oh, there's nothing. There's literally not one interesting story in the world of sports. And I remember these times uh, because I did three hours of daily sports talk radio. And this was always the time you take a vacation. You take a vacation right before, right after the Super Bowl in sports, right before you get into the March Madness era. So March Madness officially, I know we're into March, but really next week is when it takes off. And we have like three or so weeks of really fun college basketball where everybody decides they're big college basketball fans. But this is the dead zone. Little pro tip out there. This is the dead zone when you take your vacation if you're in the sports industry. And then you also take your vacation around uh, June and July, right? Like there's nothing going on in the world of sports. Once the NBA Finals are over and once the NHL Stanley Cup is over, you got just baseball until training camp starts. That's the tough time. That's the fun time sometimes to be doing Sports Talk Radio because you just have to make it up because uh, there's nothing else going on. But there's lots of fun stories out there. I don't just talk about sports, obviously. I saw this story and I thought to myself, this is incredible. Um, you know, Keith Olbermann's brain is broken. Like he actually is so fundamentally, I think, lost it. And so outside of the scope of normalcy here that he has said that, uh, and I saw this earlier and I, I couldn't help but laugh, Keith Olbermann uh, tweeted out about Disney World. Obviously, there has been a battle between Ron DeSantis and Disney culminated recently in a new board that has been appointed to govern Disney World. Keith Olbermann tweeted as follows. This isn't difficult. Move all the irreplaceable items out of the current Disney World. Rebuild in the Carolinas or Puerto Rico. Then invite Governor Ron DeSantis to Disney's Orlando facility and burn the place down while he watches. This is Keith Olbermann. Worth mentioning, the woke bracket will return at OutKick soon. Third annual woke bracket. Joe Kinsey does an incredible job uh, writing this up. And worth mentioning again uh, that this is really, really, uh, uh, it's going to be funny. He does a great job. Keith Olbermann won the second year of the woke bracket. Year one won by Jamel Hill. When they win, they are forever retired as woke bracket, immor uh, um, it, they're immortal in the outkick woke bracket lore. But Keith Olbermann is crazy. And when I see this, first of all, I, you know, this isn't difficult. Move all the irreplaceable items out of the current Disney world. 
this is written by someone who's never been to Disney World. I grew up going to Disney World. That's what my family did on vacation. We would go down, we would go down to Walt Disney World and stay at the Fort Wilderness Campground in little pop-up trailers. And then we would go to Disney World and we would go to Epcot. Typhoon Lagoon, I think, was open then. MGM had just opened. Uh, there was no, what's the other one? Animal Kingdom. Uh, that didn't exist yet when I was a kid. We're talking about the 80s and the early 90s before I was you know, into teenage years. And so I, I spent a lot of time at Disney World. The amount of uh, facilities, there's got to be billions of dollars in property that has been built at Disney World. Not only all of the amusement parks, but these hotels are monstrous. So I, I'm not kidding. I, I don't know. What would the cost of building all of these hotels again, what would be the cost of building Disney World? It's got to be billions of dollars in construction costs. So this is like saying, hey, we should move New York City to Idaho, right? I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Uh, but also, even the places that should be moved, so Oberman, as usual, has no idea what he's talking about, but even the places that you could move to, like let's pretend Disney just said we're shutting down Disney World. Okay, the tens of thousands of acres in Orlando. Do you know the story of how Orlando was picked? Walt Disney wanted to make sure that he had a location that could be open 365 days a year where the weather was good enough. So that's why he went down to Florida and started secretly buying up all this land. And that's why they picked uh, the Orlando area. So the idea that you would go to the Carolinas, first of all, the weather's not that great, right? I live next door to North Carolina here in Tennessee. It's really cold a lot of times in December, January, and February. I used to go to Opryland. Rest in peace. I wish I could pour out a drink to Opryland. Maybe the greatest thing that Nashville has, uh, has ever given up in the history of the city. I mean, just an indefensible decision to shut down Opryland theme park for anybody that used to go there as a kid. Um get dropped off there, $50 entire year uh, park pass. Uh, if your parents both worked as mine did, it was like basically a daycare. You get dropped off there in fifth or sixth grade. You run around, you get a slice of pizza, you ride roller coasters. It was amazing, all right? But the idea that you could relocate, it wasn't open year-round because the weather's not perfect. The idea that you could relocate to the Carolinas is crazy. Puerto Rico? <laughs> Board of freaking Rico, one of the reasons why Disney World is at least somewhat affordable is because so many people on the East Coast and in the middle part of the country can drive to Orlando. We always drove. We always got in the family station wagon. We always drove uh, from Nashville to Orlando. It was a big trip down to Disney World, down to the state of Florida. But that was one of the big reasons why it's at least somewhat affordable, even though it costs $200, $250 to get in now, which is crazy. Um, but it was way more affordable because people could drive. You didn't have to get on an airplane and fly down. Well, people can't afford to get to Puerto Rico. Moreover, everybody's fleeing Puerto Rico and moving to Orlando. One of the biggest populations of Puerto Ricans in the United States on a per capita basis is actually Orlando. So I look at this and I think to myself, I hope I retire before I go full on crazy. Because I used to watch Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick every morning as I ate my breakfast before I would go to school, right? 
13 or 14 years old. You remember this. You're in seventh or eighth grade. You get up in the morning. You eat your cereal. You put on Sports Center, and you try and check and see what sporting events happened over the night you might have missed because you had to go to bed early because you got to be up early to go to school. And I would watch Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick, and I would think, man, these guys are awesome. What incredible jobs they have. And now Keith Olbermann has gone crazy. Now, I think partly it's because he's over 50. I don't know. He may be 60 now. And he doesn't have a family. He doesn't have any kids. He lives alone by himself in New York City. And I think when you're a guy, general thesis, when you're a guy and you're over the age of 50 and you've never been married and you don't have kids, you go crazy. This is my theory, right? Maybe there are some guys out there, never been married, never had kids. They are perfectly sane. You get so self-obsessed in your head that you lose control of everything. Because really, you should have gotten married. You should have had kids somewhere along the way. I'm sure Keith Olbermann has had like 10 women, believe it or not, that he could have married, that he dated. And he could have kids now. and He could have a normal life. Instead, he's gone bonkers and he's talking about burning down Disney World and moving it out. And this guy was a staple of my childhood as a sports fan. And then he was pretty talented, I think, back in the day on MSNBC. But he's approaching 60 now, childless. I don't think he's ever been married. And he's just totally lost his mind. And he's sitting around on Twitter. And by the way, there's like 3,000 people that have liked this. Oh, yeah, good idea. They should move Disney World and burn down the rest and make Ron DeSantis watch. The guy is 100% insane. So, I think it's a bad idea to burn down Disney World, FYI. I think it's a bad idea to move to the Carolinas or Puerto Rico and impossible. And Disney stock would crater. Disney stock has not done well over the last nine years. If Bob Iger walked out and he said, we're so mad at Disney, Bob Iger is the CEO of Disney, we are pulling all of our assets out of Florida. All of the woke people would cheer. The stock price would drop $30 immediately. I'm not even kidding. Like 30% of Disney's stock price would vanish if suddenly Disney World were shutting down and relocating and it was going to take years to rebuild it somewhere else. You're walking away from billions of dollars in physical structure and you're spending billions more, not to mention you're losing the billions of dollars in money that you would otherwise have made by keeping the park open. Remember, people are criticizing DeSantis on Disney right now. Bob Iger, if he had to choose between Ron DeSantis or Gavin Newsom, I guarantee you he would say, yeah, for Disney... Even with this criticism, Ron DeSantis has been way better for us because Disney World opened up for basically a year before they opened up Disneyland. Newsom wouldn't let him open up Disneyland in California because he said it wasn't safe because of COVID for people to be able to go to an outdoor theme park. Ron DeSantis got everybody open. Universal Studios, Disney World. Now, it was crazy because of the requirements there. I went to Universal Studios, SeaWorld. I took my kids down, Disney World, all those places. You had to walk around outdoors with a mask on. And the only time you could take the mask off was to be able to sit down and eat at a table. But if you were walking around and you didn't have your mask on, people would tell you to put it back on. And I went to Universal Studios and 
we went to Universal Studios, I think it was like December of 2020, I had my family there. You had to get, this is no joke, they had people standing with big tubs of disinfectant. And every time you got on a new ride, you had to get disinfectant and wipe your hands. I'm not making this up. This was this was the reality. And a couple of times, because you, your hands start to like burn if you use disinfection too, disinfectant too many times. And I'm getting on the Hippogriff ride with my kids like over and over again. And they keep giving me, making me take more disinfectant, you know, rubbing my hands or whatever. And a couple of times I tried to just go by and not get the disinfectant. And literally the disinfectant dude or girl would chase you and be like, no, sir, you cannot get on the ride unless you get your hands disinfected again. I'm like, I've literally disinfected my hands at an outdoor ride 52 times today. Like, I don't know that my hands could be any cleaner. In fact, they're literally cracking because no one is designed to have this much disinfectant consumed in the course of a day. That was the world we were in. So, Keith Olbermann's crazy. Disney World has gone woke, but it's not going to move out of Florida. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. Um, I saw this story. Um, Glenn Youngkin, current governor of Virginia. 2020, Joe Biden won Virginia by 10 points. Wasn't particularly close. He beat Trump by 10 points in the state of Virginia. I think it was 54 to 44 if I'm not mistaken. 2021, Glenn Youngkin surges back and wins the governorship of the state of Virginia in a big upset. And he is wildly popular now in Virginia. Glenn Youngkin's a Republican. Numbers came out today and I looked at them and I said, holy crap, this is incredible. All right? So I want you to think about this. We know that the Democrats are going to run Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as their team, barring something crazy. Nobody is challenging them. We're now into March. Announcement will come down sometime in April. So the benefit that Republicans have is they know exactly who they're going to run against, right? So you can already be thinking Joe Biden's 82. Kamala Harris is impossibly bad at her job. This is something that you can forecast and contemplate what it might look like. So what I would say is this, and I'm going to keep slamming this home because I'm sick of seeing people make a choice in another direction. The vice president, whoever the president selection is for Republicans, the vice president has to be picked based on his or her ability to deliver a state that otherwise is in uncertainty or potentially could be flipped. What I mean by that is this. New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, maybe Virginia. States that have all been won by Democrats. I just ran through them all. All of those states, you're going to have to flip two or three of those states to win the presidency in 24. We all know, right? There's lots of states... Entire SEC, basically, I think, is going to, for instance, vote for the Republican. Maybe Georgia's a toss-up state. Everywhere else in the SEC is going to vote for the Republican, right? South Carolina, 
Nikki Haley is there. Tim Scott is there. Uh, you got Pompeo who's coming out of Kansas or wherever he's coming out of. There are lots of states with people in them that are guaranteed to vote red. Whoever the Republican presidential candidate is must, in my opinion, pick someone in a state that can deliver that state into the Republican camp. And when I saw the numbers on Glenn Youngkin, and Glenn Youngkin may well announce to run for president. If he doesn't, if your data and your analysis and your numbers reflect that Glenn Youngkin can put Virginia into the uh, Republican camp, right? Republican uh, 2024 win, or that Brian Kemp can in Georgia, we got to have one of these guys as the VP, right? I'm sorry, they're really proven. And when I saw this, I thought Glenn Youngkin maybe should be the vice president, no matter who the president is. Because Ron DeSantis in this poll is beating Joe Biden by five points in Virginia. 48 to 43. Joe Biden is only beating Donald Trump by one point, according to this Roanoke College poll. Granted, it's a poll. Polls can certainly be wrong. They were wrong in 16, 18, 20, 22, right? Just different varieties of wrong. But Joe Biden up one point on Trump. Glenn Youngkin is up 16 points on Joe Biden if they were having a presidential election. 16 points. If Glenn Youngkin can deliver Virginia, either as president or vice president, then Democrats are losing in 2024 and Republicans are winning. Now, we're a long way from November. A lot can happen between now and then. But I feel like Brian Kemp can deliver Georgia. I feel like Chris Sununu might be able to deliver New Hampshire. Ron Johnson might be able to deliver Wisconsin. Could Doug Ducey deliver Arizona? I don't know. Could Joe Lombardo deliver Nevada? Maybe. All of these toss-up states, I don't think there's anybody in Pennsylvania or Michigan necessarily that could guarantee that you would win those states as a Republican. But we know Biden is running, and we know Kamala is going to be his VP. Pick a vice president, I am imploring you, like Glenn Youngkin, who can put a state in play and maybe deliver it as a vice president. It's going to be a close election. If you can take a state out of the Democrat uh, roster and put it onto the Republican side, you have gone a long way towards flipping the outcome of the 2024 race. When I saw these Glenn Youngkin numbers, I thought, wow, this is a big deal. Um, I couldn't believe this. A little bit of fun. We finished off Clay and Buck just like 20 minutes ago. And I said to Buck, hey, Nashville has really gotten kind of crazy downtown right now uh, because Morgan Wallen is giving a free concert tomorrow at Bridgestone Arena in downtown Nashville. Just announced this morning, anyone could go stand in line and get two free tickets. Um, And I thought when I told Buck this, oh, he'll know who Morgan Wallen is. He had no idea who Morgan Wallen was. And then no one on the entire Clay and Buck radio show team, no one in our New York City studios 
had any idea who Morgan Wallen was either. And so I don't know how this is possible. I'm not even a music guy. But given all the controversy that Morgan Wallen has been involved in and given how popular his music is, I am just in disbelief that Buck has no idea who Morgan Wallen is. Uh, But this is a really cool idea to throw this concert, to have the show put on like it is going to be put on for the release of his new album. Very cool. Um, And uh, yet another sign of why I think my hometown of Nashville is the best city uh, in America. Doesn't hurt that Morgan Wallen's a big ball fan. Uh, He has great taste in who he roots for in college athletics. This Alec Murdoch, Alec Murdoch murder trial, which I believe is, let me check and see, is it still going on? Uh, Let me flip on my television, the closing arguments. I don't think it's yet gone to the jury. Uh, So we'll see here in just a sec when my television flips on. Um, But everybody is talking. uh, Hold on a sec. Fox News. Everybody is talking about what they think is going to happen in this case. And it appears that the jury is getting instructions right now. Deliberations will shortly follow. So we may get a verdict. Maybe they're, they've been there six weeks. Maybe the jury already knows what they're going to do. Uh, maybe they're going to take several days to deliberate. Everybody's saying, what's going to happen? Um, I actually think two things are most likely. I think either we're going to get a very rapid conviction, in which case we'd probably know by tomorrow uh, that Murdoch is guilty of double murder, or we are going to have somebody or a couple of people who hold out and are, we're not able to get a hung jury, basically. We're not able to get a result. And as a result, this entire trial, we have to get him charged again. The only thing that would stun me based on following this case, and they had to replace a juror today. We never know who the jurors are unless you're sitting in the courtroom, unless you can watch them. The only thing that would stun me is a not guilty verdict. Uh, That is Alec Murdoch winning this and being able to leave court as a free man with no double jeopardy because this decision would obviously keep him from being ever tried for double murder again. The evidence to me suggests that he did commit this double murder. Uh, And if you haven't paid attention to this case, there's a three-part Netflix documentary I would encourage you to watch. I have read a lot about this case. I've been able to watch some of the trial. Remember, I'm on air 12 to 3 Eastern every day with a live radio show, so I don't get to watch all of the testimony for sure. But I watched some of his defense testimony. Um, And... I would just say that I would be very surprised only by a not guilty verdict. We'll update you on this. I know many of you are intrigued by this story. Simultaneously, many of you also have no idea of which I am speaking uh, because you don't follow these cases in general. I saw this story. There's a crazy woman masked on uh, on an airplane. And I just wanted to read you what she was saying, uh, this uh, individual said, had posted a photo of herself, purple hair, as it were, almost three years COVID negative. Here's what's in my travel kit. She is an associate professor of biology in Canada. 
she says, and she has a picture of herself looking ridiculous on an airplane. She has a flow mask. I guess this is like a heavy-duty mask. A Novid spray before and after each flight. I don't even know what that is. A small HEPA filter. Distancing. Vaxxed to the max. Privilege. Hashtag bring back masks. And what I would say about this in general is these people's brains are broken. The Democrat most zealous left-wing base believes so many things that are untrue. Masks matter. That if you get eight COVID shots, you're somehow going to be protected from getting COVID. All of the lies that were spread by the Biden administration, which are slowly crumbling, I don't know how they walk their base back from this. And a lot of these people believed that if they got COVID, they would have to be hospitalized because it was that dangerous for them. And the reality is that has not been the case at all. If you are, as I have been saying for years, relatively young and relatively in decent health, I would put myself in both those categories, there's been no risk from a statistical perspective for people like me and most of you out there who are under the age of 50 and in decent health throughout this process. COVID has preyed on the very ill, the morbidly obese, and the very old. That's the truth. And we've known that since March of 2020, and yet I still see young people wearing masks and talking about getting their sixth or seventh shot as if that is in some way going to protect them and is necessary. And I just feel bad for them. I don't know how they get back to normalcy, and I don't know how with Joe Biden's lies that he has spread, I don't know how he allows that to occur where he can rein back in this crazy base in the process either. It seems to me these people are lost and broken and there's no way to fix them. Uh, Washington Post, close out with this. Washington Post editorial board has a headline. Biden overreached on student loans but the court shouldn't stop him. Let me repeat that. This is the Washington Post editorial board. Biden overreached on student loans, but the court shouldn't stop him. This is crazy. So the Washington Post is acknowledging that Joe Biden behaved in an unconstitutional manner when he tried to cancel unilaterally a 400 to $500 billion in student loan debt. And by cancel, I mean take it on as a government expense as opposed to it existing for an individual uh, uh, individual borrower expense. It's a wild world that we live in where the Washington Post entire editorial board can say it's unconstitutional, but we should allow it to occur anyway. It isn't legal, but it should be uh, allowed to exist by the Supreme Court is a crazy perspective to adopt, but that is the reality of what has occurred here. And I give credit 
for all the questions that Merrick Garland got yesterday uh, from primarily Republican senators, pointing out the danger that exists out there to Supreme Court justices in our polarized times. Somebody just recently tried to kill Brett Kavanaugh, and now we're sitting around dealing with the reality of the Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness. You want to talk about democracy dying in darkness, it would seem to die most significantly when the actual Constitution has no validity anymore, when it's not enforced by the Supreme Court. Uh, But I think this is where we are. It's not permissible. It's unconstitutional. But the court should do it anyway because I think it makes sense. That is where we are with the Washington Post editorial board. All right. I love all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Show. I appreciate all of you hanging out with me. I will see you tomorrow.